This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 554 Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Lemire goes to Mars, Mud for President, Comics Within Comics, Willow Goes Free, Empathy is Dead, Mal Switches Sides Again, and DC Bloodbath 2. This is How I Got My Wife to Read Comics for Sunday, November 22nd, 2020. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Or you can subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn. Or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9-SFP. Barbalian, Red Planet Number 1 from Dark Horse by Lemire, Bromble, Hernandez-Walta, Belair, and Bidikar. We return to Jeff Lemire's Black Hammer universe for the backstory on his Martian Manhunter analog. We begin with Mark Marks in chains before a Martian tribunal for the crime of abandoning his mission, going to Earth and invading it, and having relations with a human and a male one at that. He's found guilty, given three months to live, and forbidden to return to Earth. Cut to a flashback, 1986. He's a cop on Earth with the same name. Mark's partner's got a problem after Mark made an advance on him. He tells Mark to just do his job, which he does. Unfortunately, that job involves breaking up an AIDS rally. A protester tries to put a rainbow flag up a pole but falls off, forcing Mark to drop the disguise and save him as Barbalian. The protester is not grateful, saying that the heroes don't fight real-world problems. As the protester turns his back, Mark reverts to human form and reluctantly arrests him. When other cops invite him for beers, his partner waves him off. Mark's not really good with crowds. We see a procession of days, saving people as Barbalian, stopping crime as Mark Marks, but not having an actual life. One night, he follows the protester into a gay bar in another human disguise, and his life seems to change. Back on Mars, a member of the royal family goes to the emperor to ask permission to go to Earth to capture Mark, and it turns out this is actually Boa Boa's Barounty Hunter. A great way to tell a socially relevant story. Star Trek Year 5, Number 16 from IDW. We're in the midst of a presidential election, in this case, of the Federation. There's a candidate for the Originalists Party who believe only the original members of the Federation should remain in charge. Unfortunately, that candidate is Harcourt Fenton Mudd. He's scamming them, of course. Mudd escaped his world of androids and brought one with him who is now his political advisor. Kirk and company have been sent to investigate. Also investigating, Gary Seven, who decides that Mud's form of chaos is what is needed. Scotty is assigned to find out about the android and tries to smooth talk her. There's also a subplot about Spock not feeling his normal self, although Chapel gives him a clean bill of health. 
Kirk confronts Mud, who takes the Andorian delegate hostage until Spock gives him the old nerve pinch. Now the originalists need a new candidate, and Gary Seven suggests the Andorian, basically a heavy-handed message with a generous helping of fan service. Rorschach, number two, from DC Black Label by King, Fornays, and Stewart. The attempted assassination investigation continues. The FBI is ready to hang the whole thing on the two people caught and killed, but the agent thinks there's more there. He looks into the apartment building where Meyerson, the assassin, and Rorschach wannabe lived. This leads him to a neighbor who once went out with him. The date goes badly. Meyerson is a comic book artist apparently based on the face of Steve Ditko, who created Pontius Pirate, but now wants to do something more mature. We get to see some pages of that new comic called The Citizen, who is clearly Rorschach, who goes on a long philosophical diatribe while fighting a Nazi wolfman called The Unthinker. The woman soon meets another man, and they marry. He tends to needle Meyerson, which eventually leads to a fight. Later, Rorschach and the cowgirl, who will later be the assassins, break into the couple's apartment, clearly planning to kill them before the husband has a heart attack and dies. When the cowgirl asks about the wife, he says, need to save the world, wasting time here. The girl tells her to keep quiet or she will shoot you in the face. You hear? Bang. It's unclear if the agent learns of this from the wife or if this is just a memory of hers. The investigation continues. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Willow Number 5 from Boom Studios by Tamaki, Mustos, and Bruni. Willow has been asked to stay in the town of Abhain, and the witches there plan to enforce this, which leads to a battle. Willow is torn since Aylara has been so nice to her and there's a possible relationship, but Willow chooses her freedom. There's a lot of dialogue throughout the magical battle, as you would expect from a Buffy title. In the midst of the fight, Xander comes to her saying he sent her messages in her dreams. He also sends reinforcements, a flock of birds that distracts and attacks Alira. In the end, Alira relents and they sit down at the diner and talk it out. Willow explains that being a witch is a choice, and they want to also choose whether to stay there or not. Alira says that a battle is coming and Willow offers to return when they need her. Commanders in Crisis number 2 from Image by Orlando and Tinto. We learn more about this group of multidimensional heroes and their presidential origins. On Earth-J, the first gay president is spirited away just as the world collapses, and it's the trip through the dimensions that gives him, and presumably the rest of them, their powers. This makes a lot more sense than they had powers and they were also president. Back to Earth-Z and the dead man who is also the essence of empathy. If they can't save him, their world, the last Earth, is also doomed. Most of the team is sent to a bridge collapse job with one member using anti-grav darts to save falling cars. Another saves a man from a punctured lung. He can see through people, but a soldier challenges his authority. It's clear that empathy is quickly draining away. Speaking of that, a member of the team follows the quantum moment to investigate the murder, only to end up helping a family looking for a missing soldier and grandson. There's a quick subplot about Prizefighter, the former gay president, in a relationship with a reporter, but keeping his real ID from him. Meanwhile, the member who can change reality with the right word tries to resurrect the dead man and does so, but there will be consequences. During all of this, a senator is pushing the American Individuality Act, where the U.S. will become 52 individual nation-states working together against outsiders, but otherwise doing their own thing. That's a lot of subplots to set up. 
It would help if they used their code names more so you could tell them apart. It's also part of what we should expect from all comics in the next year or two, veiled references to our current political dramas. Firefly number 22 from Boom Studios by Pax, Sharma, Bayless, and Costa. In a completely expected development, Malcolm tried to do the right thing as a sheriff, but Blue Sun is not going to let that happen. We see him stop local cops from taking their weekly tribute bribe, then helping the locals and creating positive relationships, only to have that destroyed when the robot cops, with his face and mannerisms, ruin everything. He tries to take on the robots, but it doesn't go well, with only the arrival of his mother and her gunship evening the odds. He quits and returns to his old Firefly crew, exactly what he was trying to avoid. They go off and make their plans involving a remote shutdown of the robots. Malcolm, in the end, says he has to do this himself. So this was a big cul-de-sac of a plot line. You may have noticed no DC titles were reviewed this week. We only got a single Superman issue in the last two weeks since we cut down so much of the DC subscription poll. However, there is some major DC news. We had yet another bloodbath in the executive suite. Michelle Wells, who was just made co-editor-in-chief a few months ago, got the pink slip, leaving Marie Javins in place. At least she has a long comic book career. Meanwhile, here are some names, along with their years at DC, who got the heave-ho. Adam Phillips, Director of Marketing Services, 26 years at DC. Stuart Schreck, Sales Manager, 21 years. Fletcher Chu Fong, Events Director, 18 years. Sandy Yi, Senior VP, Global Franchise Management, 9 years. Lisette Osterlaw, VP, Digital Marketing, 7 years. That's 81 years of DC experience going out the door, and that's not a complete list, nor does it count all those who were fired a few months ago. While I'm sure there is some redundancy here versus the overall AT&T slash Warner structure, it's still very worrisome. The issue here is that AT&T has a boatload of debt in the midst of a global pandemic which made their Warner acquisition a bad idea, and getting rid of senior people will reduce DC's payroll. Not sure if that will really move the needle, though. The question everyone is asking, wither DC? Rumors are rampant. DC will shut down the comic book business by next summer, or DC will reduce the comics to only those tied into the major multimedia stuff, Justice League, Trinity, Flash, Green Lantern, Harley, and Suicide Squad, or DC will stop selling to local comic book stores, concentrating on mass market, or DC will stop going to conventions. There's no way to know, at least for now. Normally, we would begin to hear news by the time convention season resumes next spring, but with conventions out of commission, we don't have that to fall back on. Based on what we've seen in the past year, we can assume that decisions will come with little advance warning. And that's why we're moving our comic poll away from DC stuff as much as we can. Announcer Bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe by your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.